As you know, Phil asked me to arrange this meeting after the fire in his wire room. Correction. You asked me to fucking attend. I agreed. Fair enough. Now, I won't call it a sit-down because of the inclement negative implications. Let's think of it as a meeting of minds. Yes, welcome, my friends, to Cut to Black, a Sopranos meeting of minds. My name is Jim Scampoli, and I've seen every episode of The Sopranos. My name is Jacob Burrows, and I've seen 77 episodes of The Sopranos, the most recent being the season finale. No, it's just a middle-of-the-season episode that happens to mark the split between seasons six and six. Yes, indeed. Uh, Episode 12 here of season six. But who put this thing together, Jim? Uh, Yeah, this episode was... um, Jeez, I just had it. Where the... (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, here we go, here we go. uh, It was written by uh, Terrence Winter, uh, David Chase, and Matthew Weiner, and it was directed by longtime director Alan Taylor. Uh, I will say, I mean, I guess I want to say this like right at the jump, is that I do not like this episode. Interesting, interesting, yeah. Uh, I I, I like the episode, but as a season finale, it's kind of... A and, bit different, but also it isn't the season finale. Yeah, um, and I think that's what's in my head is I can't not think of it as, I mean, they describe it as a mid-season finale, and yeah. I just can't not think of it that way. Like, even yeah. though, you know, we live in the days now, The Sopranos is done. I could sit and watch it straight through for a week or whatever if I wanted to, but I can't help, like, in since we're doing this discussion, doing this podcast, and we do break it up as we watch them, I can't help but think about it that way. Because this aired June 4th, 2006. I think it was like another year, roughly, till uh, the next Sopranos episode. And maybe I'm just thinking about when I initially watched it, because I completely forgot this episode. And then watching, I was like, oh, yeah, this is why. Because it does make sense... As just a regular, I mean, it's a Sopranos episode. It feels like one of those Sopranos episodes that, all right, you know, hey, that's no harm, no foul. We got another one coming up. Uh, We're in the middle of the season. It's setting some stuff. But I don't know. I mean, yeah, because the next episode of Sopranos aired April 8th, 2007. So not quite a year, but close to it. Um, And I just I can't disconnect that in my head and I can't not judge it that way because people want to talk about the episode Christopher as being like the worst episode of the Sopranos. That's the Columbus one. But All right. yeah, fair. I, I don't know. I put this close to it, in my opinion. Mm. If not, maybe, or not maybe, maybe even, not. I'm not saying this is the worst episode of the Sopranos, because even, and even if I was, the worst episode of the Sopranos is still a great episode of television. But I feel like this is one of the worst episodes of the Sopranos. Am I wrong? Am I crazy? Tell me I'm crazy. Well, I think you're crazy, but... Uh, is that just because of that inability to separate it being a season finale, or is it just you just plain don't like the content of the episode? I guess it's a little of both because it feels very meandering, and I know Sopranos is like that a lot. And mm. they're pushing the, I mean, and Sopranos is about it, it's got all the makings of a Sopranos varsity athlete in this episode because you got a classic anticlimax with New York and Phil. Yeah. Uh, But then at the same time, they're brewing something else with this new guy we're seeing. uh, What's his name? Butch. Where it's like, oh, well, he's the new dangerous guy. Like, he's the new Phil, kind of. Because if, like, at least for how we were left here with this episode, we think maybe Phil might be a little different next time we see him. 
Um, we've got People a lot don't of change, Jim. People <laughs> don't change. And and I'm an AJ defender, but we got a yeah. lot of AJ here, and uh, I don't know. It's not rubbing me the right way. Um, we got a thing that's been going on that we haven't seen, which I don't mind. Like because with with Chris and um, uh, Juliana. Like a thing that's yeah. been happening that we haven't seen, but it has been going on. Uh, it also has a weird, like, I guess going back to the stylistic thing that you didn't like with Vito a few episodes yeah. ago. We've got this uh, overlay uh, extended se- se- sequence that I did not <laughs> like at all. <laughs> but Jim, they're doing drugs. That means you need to put weird effects on it. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I, maybe I'm being too hard on it again. Cause then, and then again, like the cherry on top is I'm looking at it as a finale. Uh, so I don't know. It's, it's still got some stuff. There's some, there's some meat there, but I mean, even the Soprano sessions book, when I'm reading it, they're like, wow. Yeah. This is kind of <laughs> really rough, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. I personally, I felt just kind of in the way you said uh, the anticlimax and and other parts of it, it. It had the makings of a Sopranos finale. Like I was actually getting some finale vibes in it, but it's also not like a great finale necessarily. But in the way that usually in the penultimate episodes, some shit goes down, and you think yep. like. You know, it's going to be a big thing. And then the last episode, it's not that at all. It's something different. Uh, that's very classic. Uh, we should also mention, I, I know we, we have mentioned it before when he did pass away, but the episode is direct uh, dedicated to John Patterson, who has yes. directed every season finale for the first five seasons. And he, he passed away um, after the fifth season. So I, I, I'm not saying we're losing the magic touch with him not being there. But like obviously he, we've been pretty positive on every season finale previously, and this is hampered not only by being not an actual season finale um, and all the factors you mentioned, but also it's like it's a weird position for any episode to be in because it's like it's a finale, but it's also building momentum for the end. And like we after this, we only have nine episodes left, so that yeah. wouldn't even technically be a full season anyway. Yeah. So if you do enough, if you do too big of a finale here, is going to take away from the final finale. Uh, there's all these considerations, but all in all, I didn't uh, dislike it the way you did at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I know like it's 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 even like I said, even pointing out flaws and saying I disliked it, it's still an episode of Sopranos. It's still it's still top tier TV. So I don't want to get that twisted. I, I you know, sure, I, I, like it, it's not like I would ever be like uh, fuck this or something. It's just. You know, comparing it to Sopranos, not comparing it to other TV shows. You know what I mean? Um, and again, yeah. And and I, like going back, because I mean, you kind of mentioned before we started recording, like asking about the decision to split the season, which it is interesting that then they did it like with Breaking Bad and like other shows do a similar thing where they do the split season. There's like different reports. Now, in the David Chase uh, interview in the Sopranos session, he completely says that he looks at season 6B as season 7. That's what okay. he says. And that uh, HBO did it as a split season 6A, season 6B, because then they would have to renegotiate contracts for a new season and people would have to be, people would have had to have been paid more, basically. Right. Uh, so it was more of a business decision. And in his mind, he completely looks at it as a dif- different season. I think okay. as we watch it, I don't know if I fully will b- 
believe that as they play out, it, it probably will feel like more of a single season because there are other reports online, although these are just people on Reddit, so who knows? Um, well, who do we trust, yeah. David Chase or people on Reddit? <laughs> yeah. To be fair, David Chase does kind of like like to lie, it feels like. Yeah, yeah very <laughs> then true. so people on Reddit, so yeah. Uh, is that, you know, because people are saying that was an originally planned season six would be one final season, but as the writing progressed, Chase found he had an abundance of material and asked for an extension of more episodes. HBO approved, and the decision was made to, def- to divide it and present it as such, with Chase taking extra time to plot out uh, and film the exact road to the end. So, like, I feel like there's some truth to that, because, you know, like, if you look at these release dates and how the show played out, there was long breaks before, again, yeah. that's, another, that's another trend Sopranos kind of started, where they would just take long breaks between uh, seasons. So... I, I could totally... Oh, you all right? Yeah, <laughs> you okay sorry. There? Microphone took a shit. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, everyone. We're back. <laughs> I'm still alive. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, that's an effective way to shut you up, Jim. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, no, I think there's truth to both of those. Yes. Like, you can still see them as separate seasons, but that makes total sense. It, even just imagining... Write, like, imagine writing the last season of The Sopranos, like, looking around in the writer's room going, like... Oh, we got to end this thing, huh? Yeah. We got to do it in 13 episodes, huh? <laughs> and then you're throwing out all these ideas and you probably got way too much meandering and this and that and anticlimaxes and like, how are you ever going to, like everything you try to write almost all the time ends up being longer than you want it to be. So it makes perfect sense, that sort of process as well and them adding this in. So I guess I see it, but um, I also see your point of how this episode could have suffered from it. Um, shall we start going through the beats of the episode? Well, I want to point out one thing, and again, this is all conjecture. I didn't, because I, I just saw this before we started recording, so I'm yeah. sure this is a lot of gossip, and I'll have to research this further. Or listeners out there, if you kind of know more details, if this is complete bullshit, or if there's truth to this, just emails at shows what you know show at gmail dot com. Because one guy says, I forget which season, but one of them was delayed. By nearly a year, uh, uh, hold on one second. Uh, one of them was delayed by nearly a year due to Gandolfini's mental issues. He disappeared for weeks, uh, and st- uh, or something, and he staggered into a random New York City barbershop and called the production office, speaking gibberish. And they sent some people to come get him, and he was all messed up in the head. And then the, the response to that is, I believe that was season six A that was delayed for this reason. Now, I when I was kind of I was trying to Google it real quick. There, there was some articles about him disappearing, but they were mostly about towards the beginning of the show's production. Uh, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm I, I'm not trying to, you know, besmirch the name the name of a great actor who's passed away. But I I mean I do know that he definitely had issues dealing with being Tony Soprano, because I think mm-hmm. James Gandolfini was one of those guys, at least from some of the stuff I read, that really liked being an actor but he liked being the type of actor he was which was like that guy he'd pop up in movies uh and i mean maybe he didn't expect the sopranos to be as big as it was but i guess he's kind of uncomfortable with being like recognized everywhere he went uh Hmm. and you know i've read some other stories about how sometimes he was a dick but i'm sure that was like that's true with anyone who's a celebrity you might meet them at uh at a bad moment uh, but yeah, I, and I've heard other things about like he would disappear sometimes and be like, uh, I can't film this shit and just leave. <laughs> have to like, right. well, we can't do anything without Tony Soprano around. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, I'm not trying to like 
shit on a great i mean he's a great actor he, he makes this show he carries the show so yeah. many ways but i'd be interested to see if there's any truth to that uh and either let us know or i'll see what i can find on it interesting yeah it might be complete gabagool like you said yeah. but then in every gabagool there's a grain of truth isn't there <laughs> very um, true so with the famous saying um yes well well I'd, I'd be interested in that too though it is interesting that having watched so much of this show now as i at this point have uh i'm still kind of disconnected from all the behind the scenes stuff because i leave it basically to you to tell me these things yeah it's just kind of interesting because i it, it's a large part of it is i don't want to google anything about the sopranos ever <laughs> yeah. because i'll just end up uh, getting spoiled um so that's really interesting and i'd be interested in in hearing a bit more of that but for now let's get into episode 12 uh the mid-season finale here which uh, does start out with uh, the continuation of, as we said, kind of a climactic uh, feeling to the previous episode where Fat Dom is killed. We have Carlo uh, disposing of his head, kicking it into a gutter. And uh, even, like you said, like there's a big explosion at the start of this episode, and yet it feels anticlimactic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, it, there's a big it, explosion of the, the wire room as Phil's walking up to it with some broad. It is one of those episodes where like a lot of time in their like in the Sopranos world is passing throughout this yeah. hour long episode because at one point it's like they're heading into Thanksgiving and then Thanksgiving just kind of happens and then as then we're going through the holidays and it basically ends on Christmas um, yeah. but yeah so yeah we like you said we have the disposing of the body then we have uh Phil uh walking up on a they they still firebombed this the what, the storefront or whatever it is. And I wasn't even thinking because I was like, oh, what'd they do that? They already killed Fat Dom. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, they can't really say they killed Fat yeah. Dom. So this is actually even more genius to do that, to be like, why would we kill Fat Dom? We just wanted to firebomb your storefront. <laughs> yeah, we're honorable <laughs> like that. We just wanted to blow up your uh, place. Duh. Um, but yeah, meanwhile, while uh, while Phil's equity is going down, Soprano, uh, Tony Soprano is... Uh, you know, cashing in on this Jamba Juice check um, <laughs> because he's in a meeting with what's her name, Jenny Je uh, Juliana. Juliana. Yeah, um, she's in a meeting with Juliana, and like you've said, I, I was thinking of what you said about the season. Tony's been on this journey from uh, like you know being bored again, like loving life, and then slowly being dragged down again. And that we did see that with Juliana previously of him saying, no, I won't go down the same path I did before. I will change for a couple episodes. And then <laughs> and then he's right back here trying to pick her up again. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's a great way to, do, to display the thing that it is becoming more and more clear to me. This is the core of the show that people don't actually change. They're, they keep, keep being clawed back. And I feel like that's the thing of this season too, especially with Vito, obviously. Oh, yeah. His whole storyline of him being pulled back into this life even though it leads to his death uh we see the same thing on a smaller scale here with tony yeah because even like before he's trying to pick juliana back up when he gets the call from benny about the explosion he's like in a hotel room or something with some oh yeah some other just yeah. random chick so you know tony soprano is back uh no need to worry and yeah as you said now he's he's hitting on her because they you know the the deal still was in the works, and he has another opportunity. 
uh, to be like, oh yeah, let's let's make up for lost times. Remember when I was an idiot before and was trying to be different? Uh, let's well that that all went to shit. So let's let's cross some T's and dot some I's that I might have missed back in the day. <laughs> yeah, I'll initial you if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so his protege uh, Christopher is following in his footsteps in many ways here. Because he's with his new wife, and she's talking about decorating uh, the baby's room. And he's kind of talking about how it makes him nervous, and they should wait until after the baby's born. Don't count your chickens before they hatch. Uh, which does seem reasonable, given the situation. But then we find out later it's not really because of this at all. It's, he's just uh, bored. He's bored. Yeah. Just like Tony. Yeah, it's... it. It does feel just like a classic Christopher thing to do at first because he would be like, you know, going back to what the bird he saw and how he always gets superstitious and caught up in stuff. I guess kind of like Polly. But yeah. yeah, then we we see there's a little bit more to it. Uh, then we have um, Carmela going to the hospital and Adriana's mother's there. Uh, she's all laid out, strapped in because what she tried to kill herself or something. I, I forget the specifics. Yeah. Yeah, because she there was like a salvation army letter to address to adriana yeah that set her off according to carmela as as she tells um tony in the next scene i didn't even i wasn't even sure if i recognized her but i just assumed it was adriana's mother you know i was like that was my (laughs) assumption of where the story would go and sure enough uh that's what carmela explains in the next scene of course tony doesn't want to hear any of this yes because i think and i'm not sure is this the scene uh where she suggests a private detective or is that later i'm not sure that um, might be later but yeah, yeah yeah it's it's coming up here oh, uh, she tells him about the dream in france and he's yes. like jesus yeah <laughs> um which is great because but- tony is usually the one that has to be like you know working off of his dreams or you know a news report he saw where he gets all hyper focused and then if anyone else isn't involved like they're stupid but, you know, here's someone else kind of going off their own gut feeling and he doesn't want to hear anything about it. He thinks it's like dumb. Yeah. And speaking of how people don't change, this isn't quite the same thing. But when Carmilla came back from France, I was like, you know, she's going to come back and everything's going to be kind of shit and she's going to be depressed. Like, fair enough. That happens to most of us <laughs> after a holiday. We're like, fuck, regular life sucks. But she wasn't really like that. Maybe it was the jet lag. But at this point, she's kind of saying that, you know, because now she it starts to sink in that Meadows moved away and everything. And she says it's everything all at once. And Tony uh, actually does. I mean, he is distracting her from uh, investigating a murder, what he did. Mm. So it's not like he's being a good, good guy. But he's being a good guy in that he, like, reminds her that, what are you talking about? AJ's doing better. Like, two beautiful kids. They're healthy. With The house is great. She, he even says something about, like, oh, like... You got a great house, or you're 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 a husband that loves you, made a beautiful home. Uh, you know that's got to count for something, right? And I mean, because we know the mind of Tony Soprano, you kind of go, eh, does it? Yeah. Does it though? But he makes a, a, a I don't know. He he makes a compelling argument in this scene. Yes, yeah, yeah. And then kind of, we immediately kind of just cut to I don't know. If, I guess it's the same day because she did bring home a turkey, or it's the next day because now it's Thanksgiving for you. You, you uh, Swedish, Irish, uh, you know, heathen. Twats. Yeah, sure. you don't know what, what it's all about. But the telltale signs, we saw a turkey. We see them watching football. We know it's Thanksgiving, all right? Just so you know. All right, I, <laughs> I saw a turkey, and I was like, oh, they did mention Thanksgiving. 
The football thing I didn't connect because uh, I was just like, oh, now they're watching a match. Like, I w- and then I was later. I was like, I guess we skipped Thanksgiving. So, <laughs> but I guess the match. There's a match every year. I've gleaned this. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, there's always like two games on on Thanksgiving. Except now the way we do it, if you go inside, there's Thursday football all the time. So it's not as it used to be. Like back in the day, it was like a special deal. Like, oh yeah, it's football on Thursday because it's Thanksgiving. But now, nah, now we have Thursday night football. Just so you know. Hmm. Well, uh, what Christopher is thankful for is his new uh, Guma uh, that Tony interrogates him about. Uh, the name of the episode is Keisha. Uh, it doesn't. I don't think he says the name until later. But he doesn't bring her around because you know Polly would be all weird because she's black, <laughs> and it's like. I believed him for a second. <laughs> you know, I actually, obviously, I believed him. Uh, but yeah, no, it's all lies, of course. Uh, but like Polly, I mean, if we, if we, if we, if we be nerds, continuity nerds, Polly had a Latinx uh, Guma because yeah. it was uh, what's her face from Scrubs. That's why I remember. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah. But I guess maybe that's different to Polly. <laughs> Well, I also think that he says like Polly would be weird, and uh, and they're like, oh yeah, but what the actual truth is, they would be weird. Yeah, <laughs> they would yeah. all be weird. Very true. <laughs> so, yeah, but he just right. kind of singles out Polly because Polly's not there, and Tony even says like, yeah, and she'd feel it too, or whatever. Like the she like she doesn't belong, or what? Like yeah. that's the implication I get from Tony. So obviously they'd all be weird about it. <laughs> so then, it's a great lie. And then didn't haven't we seen Hesh's Guma? Whatever. I'm just getting. I'm getting too into it. Yeah, but Hesh is like he's yeah. Jewish. He- Does it? Yeah, it's different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's different. <laughs> um, yeah. So th- speaking of all of this, um, we get to see AJ actually at his job doing some work, and I'm like, wow, I've never seen this before in my <laughs> life. AJ doing something useful, putting cardboard boxes in a wheelbarrow. I mean, I am floored. I am floored, Jim. How do you feel about this? Yeah, it's weird, too, because Pauly shows up and he goes, what the fuck are you doing? And I I couldn't tell if he meant, like, you know, you should be like us and just sit around on the job site or if he thought he was doing the wrong thing. Because then, I mean, he quickly gets distracted because he starts staring at Blanca, which becomes kind of like the focus of his his, uh, storyline here. But, yeah, it is, I think, because Tony even mentions it when you're talking about when he's consoling Carmela earlier, we are seeing like a change in AJ. It worked when he smashed his yeah. windshield in <laughs> instead of smashing his face in. So yeah. finding that common ground and just giving some, I guess, tough love. Cause it's not even, it was very reasonable. It's not like they're making a pay rent or anything. It's just, Hey, you got to work and make money and you do whatever you want with it. So now he's, he's doing that. Good for him. Yeah. And I also assumed this was like a, to show that Christopher was wrong, I was like, "Oh, here's here's uh, uh, Polly's Guma, who's uh, Latinx, yeah. and we're we're gonna get into that storyline now." And, and AJ has a crush on her or whatever, but no, he's just there to make collections. Um, <laughs> and so we get some nice slow motion shots, AJ staring like a creep. Well, who would look <laughs> at AJ and go, "Yeah, I'll have a slice of that." Like, I'm not saying he's totally brain dead, but he acts like it. <laughs> when staring at her here and in the bar, but uh, I guess uh, she's okay with that. And then this is just a nitpick uh, because I mean it is a TV show, so you gotta like you know cheat a little bit. But 
the fact that he's what he's never seen this girl before like <laughs> like he's i mean it's kind of under the impression he's at least worked here like a couple weeks at this point uh and you know she handles all the paperwork and stuff and he's just what never seen her i mean i guess he is aj so maybe that is kind of plausible I mean, he could be a, a new part of the site or whatever. I don't know how. Yeah. Look, I've never worked construction, Jim. <laughs> like, let's. I'm not going to pretend. <laughs> I just mean like working a job. It's not like there are thousands of people working this site, but who knows? I guess may, I've never really worked construction either. Maybe it, people do uh, kind of go in and out. But Polly's pretty uh, uh, familiar with her. He knows her, so she's been around. All right. I don't know if you were implying anything to that, uh, Jim, but <laughs> yeah. we'll leave it for now. Um, so... Christopher is hooking up with his guma, and we get the reveal that it's Juliana. Yes. Uh, the black guma does not exist. It is, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's Tony's uh, kind of half guma. And they have a, a chat. Um, yeah, well, I don't, yeah, what do you, what do you make of all of this? Well, thing? I did want to call out, and I mean, I didn't pick this up on my own. I did read this on the wiki. Um, I thought it was interesting that it's a callback kind of to, uh, I guess the character's name was Credenzo Curtis. It's those those two black guys that they were going to have kill Carmine. But then, like, you know, they called that off and then they killed, they shot those two guys. But we had that scene where he was talking about his girlfriend, Kaisha. And mm -hmm. I, I think it's kind of funny to feel that, like, Chris heard that. And that's the only like black name he knew, so that's why he used it. I just think that's a funny little callback they have. Uh, I do like that they just kind of drop you into the moment. Uh, I mean, it's obviously a very Sopranos thing to do, and then they kind of have a flashback later, uh, yeah. which explains it. Not that they even needed it. I mean, it does give more context, obviously, to how their relationship plays out. But I do like that they just kind of drop it in, and now you're like kind of have to fend for yourself a little bit to figure out what's going on here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so we'll we'll get back to that storyline, but we do get the scene from the intro where Little Carmine, and again, it's just I just love how Little Carmine was once like the the presumptive boss, like, and he was intimidated out of the game, but now he's just kind of around being the smarmy guy. He seems way better at doing what he's doing now, but he's still not good enough because yeah. he gets them close <laughs> to a deal, and they're all kind of agreed, bygones be bygones, and then he has to bring up his dead brother, and as Tony says, like, why'd you have to bring that up? It was, it like, we would have, they would have nailed it. It would have been great, but uh, it's not. It's yeah, not great. Because things do seem to smooth out a little bit, and it feels like, all right, you know, maybe we're heading to some sort of resolution because he's just putting it in financial terms, like, hey, you know, it's costing everyone money, and people seem to react to that. And then, yeah, then he's, yeah. you know, whatever happened with your brother and all that stuff. <laughs> it's like, cocksucker. Uh, you know, classic filth. Oops. Oh, sorry, I just got to follow on my, on my Twitch. Damn, you're so popular, Jim. Yeah. Hell yeah. I didn't mean, now, if you I, want to hear more of that, go to jimandthem.com for a Jim's podcast where you get fun sounders, too. Yeah, I don't mean for that to bleed into uh, Cut to Black, but yeah, sorry, my Twitch is running and people might people might follow me. I get an alert. <laughs> well, you know, it's, the, it's a hard knock life being on the pulse of social media all the time, as you are, uh, but someone's got to do it. Someone's yeah. got to do it. Um, anyway, the whole thing blows up, and like you said, it's kind of like... Um, 
they blew up the, the fact that they blew up the wire room kind of gives cover for the fact that they killed fat dom yeah because uh, they kind of like because that was the thing he was going to originally do and then they did it anyway and then later they're talking about how they can't be sure that it was tony like when they're in private so it at least does something to assuage their uh their suspicions well it's great too because it does sh show a lot about I guess not just Phil, but like these guys in general, because I mean, we saw how ferocious Phil was obviously when it was his brother. And I mean, I get that that is a more a, a closer relationship, but fat Dom is more of an afterthought. Like they all kind of know he's dead, but yeah. when he's brought up and then they bring up money, things do still settle down where it's like, okay, yeah, you know, we get it. But until of course the brother comes up, but it's just interesting that all of these people, they're kind of not that important. Like, if they do go, it's kind of part of business. Unless, of course, it's family or someone that's off limits or whatever yeah. perceived extra insult you might get. Like, Fat Dom to to, uh, to Phil is almost kind of like, yeah, you know, it's because I shoved a pool cue up Vito's ass. So I guess they get to kill Fat Dom. As long as I don't find <laughs> specific evidence. I'm not going to search for the evidence, but if the evidence <laughs> pops up, then I'll be mad about it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly um so we're in a bar uh aj's having some uh fun chats with co-workers and uh blanc is there she he, he does this his move which is to stare at her um <laughs> and she dances up seductively and strikes up a conversation does basically all the work yes yeah. in, uh, in this situation and Except that she gives her phone number and like leaves off the last digit, and I'm like, I does that mean? I imagine maybe he used the phone. Like you could use a phone book, but it's AJ, so I imagined he just dialed and tried all the different numbers, right? Well, that's what I would think you'd have to do, because I mean, mm. I mean, I I guess now I'm thinking maybe then, because I don't know if it's like a home number. If it was a cell number, there's not like a like a phone book you can check, is there? But uh, I, I mean, I don't know. This is all America, man. Yeah, I have no idea how your phones work. Your fancy phones. I actually uh, would. I would have. I would have uh, greatly enjoyed uh, a montage. A yeah, maybe you could do the. Uh, you can do the vertigo montage that they do for the theater. Except it's AJ calling each number, and then they're all overlaid. It's like, hello, this is Blanca. Hello. Oh, sorry, no, sir. Do you the know? do the do the vertical one, but then you also have AJ in there <laughs> dialing. <laughs> Yeah, overlaid so on fade, the same scene. Fade to that and then fade back <laughs> and calling all these people. Oh, is this Blanca's phone? No, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm sorry. Like, you can have little hilarious asides happen. Uh, now, what do you read from this? Because I don't know if the show ever really gets too explicit uh, one way or the other. Um, so, I mean, is this what we've been seeing that AJ's had to deal with this season of how people are attracted to him because of who his father is and the potential power he might have or is this just the natural magnetism of the soprano genes like we see that tony can just have women come up to him like that is 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 it just rubbing off on aj um i just assumed that uh blanca likes some young and smooth faced and someone who's in contrast to her ex who used to beat yeah. people up who's yeah. kind of a nice and extremely non-aggressive guy someone that she can make the move on and and they won't actually be a dick and they can watch 40 year old virgin and have a wholesome time and like he's a, like her one question is like uh, oh i have a i have a kid 
is that okay and yeah. he's like yeah and, and that seems to tick all the boxes so uh i i guess it's yeah the magnetism as you mentioned the natural magnetism rather than the i don't think it's because uh he's the soprano son at all really although what do you think i think I, I i mostly agree with everything you're saying although i think it's very telling that the way they cut from like him getting the guys to leave the 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 neighborhood uh that are being yeah. loud and then her having sex with them because at least she still wants some power there because i mean i, I don't know if he came up and was like yeah i gave him my bike and they left <laughs> It's <laughs> like, oh my god, yeah. this is great. But yeah, I I think you're right that she does want definitely a contrast to what she's had, but she still wants you know somewhat of an alpha. Uh, sure, like all women do. I mean, if we can get into our <laughs> yeah, let's get into it, Jim. We've waited too long. Here's what women want. All right, take it from us, two cis white straight men. Uh, but yeah, um. So yeah, it, it is interesting, and well, and especially like if we stay with AJ for a bit, like jumping around mm -hmm. between seeing him, you know, doing real work at his job, and them even talking when he's not on screen about how like he has been up and out of the house early, going to work, and then by the end here, like he is legitimately good with her kid, and uh, it feels like he's you know, a different person and actually taking responsibility for things. And then it is great that the, the, the flip side of that is now Carmela is like a little, like kind of suspicious. I mean, between her being yeah. older and I, I assume her being Latina and then of course her having a kid, it, it is under, I'm not going to say it's understandable to be suspicious that she's Latina, but just being older and having a kid, it's kind of like, uh Oh, does my like fuck up of, of a son understand what he's getting into? But it is yeah. like a be careful what you wish for type deal. Yeah. And also on all of this, so, so strange to see AJ have sex. <laughs> so strange, Jim. Like, good on him and all. And like, this seems wholesome enough. But it's so weird, Jim. <laughs> he was looking for that fly just yesterday, yeah. you know? It is. That's the that's the bizarre side of shows. Uh, well, I mean, especially cable shows. Uh, when you have kids that then grow up with the show. I mean, I know it's yeah. a different show, but the show's shameless now. I mean, it's been on for like 10 seasons. So now you have like little Carl and little Debbie who are kids. Now they're growing up and now they have like, yeah, sex scenes on the show. And it's like, this is weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we, uh, going back to where we were after the bar scene, um, Juliana gets a call that's like an emergency call and she answers like, like it's her dad and it's tony so great great impression to make as well when you want to uh, like go out with someone give them a give them a big scare about yeah. their uh, father maybe dying or whatever um and he starts talking about a warehouse it's all an excuse obviously to see her even though it probably would be beneficial but she sees the business side of things and uh agrees to it and then we head into a an alcoholics anonymous meeting i think and uh it's a flashback, and I, I kind of like that we don't necessarily... I don't know. I, I like the way this flashback worked. We didn't have the infamous, like, freeze frame fade or whatever. You yeah. don't need it. You get that this was before the other scene. But I will say that the inclusion of this flashback made it a bit jarring when we go from a scene when they're super, like, 
we're not going to do any drugs, absolutely, like, not even, like, I'll maybe have the tea, and then you cut, and then they're immediately doing drugs afterwards. And I get that that says something about, you know, how the slippery slope, but it's also with this flashback, it's kind of like, wait, what, is this a dream? Like, what's happening? Like, I don't trust the sequence of events anymore because of this uh, particular flashback being in this particular place. Yeah, no, I could see that. Because they're definitely, they're making a statement with the, the the latter scene um, that you're talking about when they're doing drugs because, you know, we hear from Murmur, who's Chris's sponsor, and they talk about how, like, it's not a great idea for two, you know, people in recovery like that to be in a relationship, but there's potentially that they keep each other in line or it's potential that they both drag each other down. So they do make a statement by just cutting to that that happening, but you're right the way they handle this flashback, which I, I do agree is is a good choice in the way it's done. You pick it up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, because even like I said before, j- just jumping to them having sex to show that Chris was lying about his guma, like they are like challenging you a bit, which I you know is always good about the Sopranos, but then not that it's not welcome, but sometimes then it gets jumbled up as you're trying to figure out, okay, what's this then? Or uh, where are we in the timeline right now? And what's happening? Yeah, and maybe it's just it, coupled with the fact that it's like season finale, we're fitting in a lot of stuff, and it takes place over like over a month. Like yeah. we were saying, it's Thanksgiving, now it's Christmas. Uh, but a- anyway, I don't think it suffered tremendously from it, but I wanted to mention it. Um, and then we have a scene with uh, Tony. I mean, after the flashback, let's skip over it. We, we know what happens in it. Um, we have Tony uh, watching a documentary about Abe Lincoln, and I'm st- always struck by like the quality of television within the world of The Sopranos. <laughs> they always seem to be stuck on, I guess, I don't know, public access channels or whatever, where it's just old movies and where documentaries and things like that. So he's watching something about Abe Lincoln. Carmilla comes in, talks about a toy drive, and this is where she brings up like private detectives. What if Adriana's in danger? And so on and so forth. And he says, like, oh, we wouldn't want to invade her privacy. And then this is all leading up to him going and saying, you know, we'll we'll all be happier if she has a career. Uh, (laughs) Go and talk to that building inspector. Yeah. And he's in he's in classic Tony Soprano mode where he's got his bowl of ice cream like right on his stomach. And, you know, we know when he's in this mode, he doesn't want to be bothered. He's watching his history channel he's eating his ice cream he's comfortable and then Carm has to come in and start talking about toy drives and you know de- people he's had killed <laughs> and, <laughs> and hiring yeah. uh, private investigators to look into it uh, and it is kind of uh, going back to our old thing we haven't mentioned a lot but um like the sopranos is a sitcom uh it is very sitcom the way it then cuts to him being like uh, yeah, we get a lead on that building inspector, like, and it, it it almost like it's not that, but it almost lends the lends the idea that does Carmela understand what she's doing? Is this is this her her playing chess while Tony's playing checkers? I don't think that's what it is, but it's almost fun to play with that idea. Yeah, um, yeah. So. Now that, you know, Silvio is being sent off to deal with that, he can continue trying to pick up his ex-Guma. Um, and so they're in the warehouse well, and he uh, starts asking about her uh, fiance and everything. 
Sorry, real quick. And then don't we, we see the uh, Muslim guys real quick again, right? Oh, yeah, we, we sure do. We sure do. We got to keep that threat going because that's definitely yeah. going somewhere. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. It's so funny to think like, I mean, obviously watching it now with the show in hindsight. Well, I mean, you don't even have the show in hindsight, but just discussing it. It's so yeah. clear that this is going nowhere. I mean, and again, I don't even remember. I'm just yeah. I'm, I know I've seen these episodes, but I feel like. This is such a David Chase, like, huh? What? What about these guys? And you're like, yeah, whatever. All right, David Chase, we know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of like that because it's like they introduced the concept early on that they might, you know, the, the, the titillation, the, the suspicion that they might have some connections to terrorism. And then you just have them show up over and over. So the audience kind of goes, yeah, while all of this is going on, maybe money's being funneled away to Al Qaeda or whatever. Yeah but probably we'll never find out about it. But let's just keep bringing them up and have them be really cool and like say happy holidays to your family. And, <laughs> and that's it. That's all. Sometimes they ask for weird weapons, but like, yeah, most of the times they're just hanging out, uh, cheers and cheers and folks left and right. And it's also it's just an interesting way to play with the audience because, I mean, uh, like, what was this? In 2006, so like five years removed from, from 9-11, which... You know we're well past that now, but uh, you know it's it's no secret that people had different prejudices coming out of nine eleven, and you know they're playing on that with just Tony and the characters in general, but they're kind of playing with the audience as well and building up their expectations on what they think is going to happen. So it it is kind of like a it's like a smart way to play around with that. Yes. Um, so in the next scene. We have uh, we have Christopher sharing his screenplay with Juliana, and as as any creative person knows, this is like this is like fourth base. Like first base is you have sex outside a cafe yeah. uh, after your Narcotics Anonymous meeting. Uh, second base is you watch a movie. Uh, third base, uh, I don't know your your Wi-Fi connects automatically. Uh, when you go to their place and fourth base, of course, the home run, you share your screenplay Finally. and yeah. <laughs> and she gives honest feedback. Oh, what a great coupling. I'm sure these two will work out and won't be bad for each other. Uh, yeah. And what? Uh, yeah. Sh- sh- they start th- talking about Tony, too, where like now we're getting more of like the implication that they're both kind of getting revenge on Tony in a way. That Tony's kind of part of it, even though he isn't. Is yeah, kind of feeling he's like there, like in he's in the screenplay, he's in uh, Christopher's mind and in her past and and all these things, and also in her job. Um, and and Christopher even says like she says nothing happened, and he says it doesn't matter. He's been there in his mind. Oh yeah, <laughs> which is such a weird, uh, degrading thing to say. But they they kind of get over it for the moment at least. Yeah, I'm not a fucking parking spot. Uh, and then she mm. says, and yeah, because I guess like it is be- between, you know, Carmela with Adriana and of course with Chris, it's always going to be th- a thing hanging over his head. And especially, you know, building this home with um, I can't even think of what uh, his his fiance's name is. Uh, no, I have no idea. Uh, Kelly. No, Kelly. They're, they're married as well. He's not. A fian- oh, that's she's right. Not a yeah. fiance anymore. That's right. They're <laughs> married now. Um, that's obviously kind of even more in his head of like, well, this is what I was supposed to have with Adriana, and you know, yeah. Tony's obviously a big part of that. 
Plus, back in the day when Tony used to be nice to him, push him on his big wheel, and then when <laughs> Tony Ake showed up, he would make fun of him. So we can't forget that. Uh, <laughs> of course. Um, so we have this meeting that we've already discussed of the New York uh, Mafia. We're introduced to this new character that I don't think you like, who's like, oh, I'm the new guy who, who's pushing everyone to be more extreme. I'm Phil's Phil. Like, yes, yes. I, I'm the guy in Phil's crew who is like <clears throat> Phil was uh, in the original crew, saying that, you know, we got to fuck up Tony, and he keeps pushing, and then we have some moderates. Uh, I don't know what they arrive at. They, I think they say that, like, okay, I, he, he, Phil refuses to whack a boss, and they're like, all right, fine, but pick someone over there, you know, eye for an eye. Yes, yeah, which does add like that extra um finale tension yes. that goes nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. One of the things I love about uh this scene and like where they're going is that the look of these guys, like everyone just kind of looks schlubby and kind of like I don't know, there's no like going back to like Patsy's um line to Gloria, uh like it won't be theatrical or what's uh, that might not be as it won't be cinematic. Like, this yeah. is kind of, they're they're very, there's a specific look to, you know, the Italian mobster, and, and this is supposed to be New York, like, they're supposed to be above Jersey, but, you know, just schlubby, chubby dudes, like, and especially uh, Butchie here, who's, like, talking about, you know, it's like 9-11, you know, they wanted attention, now we go and we wipe them off the planet. Uh, yeah. I, I just, I don't know, I, I like that detail, because it it's probably because uh, Phil... Um, I'm, I'm spacing on his fucking... Oh, Frank Vincent, who plays Phil. He's in, like, every mob movie. I mean, R.I.P. Uh, great actor. But, like, he has that look. And then these guys yeah. around him don't have that look. They, mm. <laughs> It's like... but And that adds, like, realness to it, I guess, in a weird way. Because yeah. it is just kind of like the dudes you'd see just bullshitting in the back of some shitty deli. But it's like, meanwhile, they're talking about murdering people. I had a similar feeling when we were in Phil's home later. Um, I was kind of like, you know, the the Soprano house, the the Blan- the, the Casa, if you will, uh, yeah. the Casablanca. Um, it's uh, obviously gaudy and everything, but it's like huge and beautiful and over the top and ridiculous. And like Phil's homes, he definitely hasn't like moved since becoming boss. Yeah, he has more income or whatever, but. He, he he probably couldn't spend much of it even if he wanted to just tax and all hiding it from the authorities but also like i don't know his his place just looks not super fancy which makes sense because have you heard of like prices in brooklyn it's yeah. ridiculous you could probably get a mansion out in jersey for the price of a little uh, hovel there that fills in, in yeah uh, in brooklyn well and but going back to phil here though is this just more heavy as the crown kind of like the stuff that uh, uh Johnny Sack and Tony talked about at the end of what season five when you know like how oh, if they only knew what it was like to actually be the boss because could you imagine Phil before being like whack a boss you know we're, we're not gonna do that because he was the one that was like we gotta whack the their glorified crew you know we, like is 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 this change in Phil does it feel real uh what do you think yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd buy that. Like you said, it's easy to be the guy who's under film now going like, oh, we got to do this, we got to do that. You don't have to be reasonable. It's kind of like 
when you're in uh, the opposition uh, it politically, like you can say you're going to do all sorts of shit. But the moment you're in power, it's like, oh, well, you know, we got to do some compromises here and our budget's actually not limitless. So <laughs> you can promise yeah. all sorts of shit when you're not in power. Yeah. And then you get there and you're like, well, I don't actually want loads of people to die. And like, I don't want my more of my family to die and so so yeah I, i'd buy that read of it yeah no, i agree i agree it is it is interesting to see uh that play out and yeah it is really kind of like i know it's only been one episode or whatever but it is even in in my mind as the audience it's like johnny who like yeah he's forget him <laughs> yeah oh yeah absolutely um so uh we have christopher coming out of a meeting and he's talking to his sponsor about the whole situation and like we've already mentioned this how it's uh said that you know uh you know they might be really good for each other or really bad for each other we'll keep an eye on it and then we also have juliana with her sponsor and she's talking about how like oh, i think maybe he's connected actually i know he is because yeah. i was going out with his boss anthony soprano <laughs> and this uh <laughs> sponsor is like a reasonable person like i don't know where to start here you don't yes. know you, you haven't lived here all your life you don't know these people are psychopaths and uh all that but obviously uh, uh she doesn't take that advice well it's so hilarious like the amount of red flags that she's bringing up here never mind just the fact that we met in AA and we're both kind of still in a somewhat, you know, volatile situation as far as uh, our addictions are concerned. But also, yeah, I know he's connected because I had a, a almost fling with his boss. And these are like big names in the mob community. This is, you know, it's all bad news. Yeah. Um, so we get the continuation of AJ's story here. Like I said, watching the 40-year-old virgin. Well, they're loving it. That's the yeah. contrast to what you're talking about, how they're always watching like old stuff. But now we're with yes. the young kids. They're watching, uh, you know, at the time, I think, a pretty new movie. Yeah. And I do you think this is AJ's choice of a film or her choice of a film? Oh. It's a very important question. That's actually a great question. Because <laughs> it, it, if it's her choice, it's her like throwing some shade at him right how do you mean well not like shade but just being like yeah you're probably a virgin like look at you oh, you're right. a little baby uh <laughs> or the... <laughs> i think it's i think it's his choice of a film or maybe yeah because because he obviously worked at blockbuster probably ah, stole yes. all the dvds or whatever so he just has films uh, so he he brought it over, and he's kind of introducing some of this comedy because she kind of goes like, "Ah, this man is so stupid," or whatever about uh, the forty-year-old virgin. Um, what does she say? Just she's kind of laughing at it, like she's not seen it. That's my read of it, and this ah, okay. is the most important part. We need to analyze it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, I mean, they're watching the hilarious scene with the the waxing. It's a classic. It's, you immediately know what they're watching. Uh, then what? Her her baby wakes up because you got some hoods out on the street bumping some uh, pit bull. Uh, when when I guess it wasn't embarrassing to bump hit pit bull. <laughs> I think there was a small window <laughs> of time when it wasn't embarrassing to be bumping pit bull, Mister Worldwide. Uh, sure. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's um, so well, it's hilarious. AJ fashion too of the way he handles this. Like he you know he comes marching out with all this like you know piss and piss and vinegar. But he quickly realized, like, wait a minute, what am I going to do here? Oh, I'll just give him this expensive bike, which would almost lend to the idea that 
well, you're giving them something now, they're just going to keep coming back to get something over and over again, right? <laughs> sure. I, I just kind of love this scene because I guess when he goes out, he doesn't know what he's going to do, maybe. I, yeah. Or maybe he does. I don't know. Um, but yeah, he, he comes down and they're sort of like looking at him. And I just love how it plays out of him coming up quite meekly like hey it's only a year old like i'll give you this bike if you go away <laughs> and they're kind of and i love that their reaction is not like no nah, we'll take your bike and fuck you they're kind of like that's fair all right <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> we'll yeah. take your bike sir this makes sense in our world <laughs> uh yeah and it's like total win for him because yeah. he probably never rides that bike anyway and he uh yeah has sex afterwards so well done aj yeah. good for him um yeah. and i'm trying to do they have like uh, pillow talk here what do they talk about they do after? yes yeah. they do they talk about he he asks if it bothers her that he's younger and she says like jesse ventura was born on your birthday so <laughs> and he's like who <laughs> and uh she says a famous politician i looked it up i and don't know anything about this and it's like oh yeah she oh she knows his birthday because she handles his like w-2 and his paperwork so i mean i guess that also lends itself to the idea that she knows who he is obviously she knows a lot of information about him so i don't know there's some nefarious purposes going on uh stay tuned mm -hmm. uh it, jason jesse ventura also is uh he was former wwf wrestler slash commentator uh back in the good hulk hogan 80s days of wrestling who then did turn um, politician, governor of Minnesota, I believe, turn mm. um, conspiracy theorist who <laughs> had like uh, a running show for a while about all his conspiracy theories. I'm sure he's still doing conspiracies. I don't know what he's up to these days. I'm sure. I, I mean, no offense, Jim, but your country's ridiculous <laughs> and the way it runs is silly. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I actually you lots know, of silly things about where I'm from, but like the, the sentences you've just said make no sense. Well, have uh, you ever they're true. Have you ever seen uh, Predator, the movie? Yeah. He's yeah. in Predator. <laughs> Jesse Ventura. He also was right. a Navy SEAL. I was a fighter. Okay. A Navy SEAL. <laughs> All right, and yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course, yes. is the template that we all follow. He was also all right. Sorry, what did you say? He was also in Predator. He, well, <laughs> that, well Arnold Schwarzenegger was also a politician. There's so no, many I know that's my that's my <laughs> point. <laughs> yeah. That's like, but that's the one you know about, and then you find out no, no, loads of people did that, and this guy was a wrestler. <laughs> now he's a conspiracy theorist. I'm like, all right, America. <laughs> I think Jesse Ventura did it all first. Right, so good for him. Go home, America. You're drunk. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's very sweet, sweet pillow talk. Uh, he, uh, yeah, she, she rides him like crazy. Uh, great, like a bike. Great for them. Yep. <laughs> like the bike yeah. he just gave away. I get it. I get it. <laughs> next scene. Let's do the next scene. <laughs> um, so Juliana's sick. Christopher comes over. He's being a good boyfriend. Uh, talk apart from the fact that he's married. Talks about how he's gonna get some cough syrup, and she's like, "No, absolutely not." There's like you know, chemicals and, you know, stuff in there, as we all know, stuff is bad for you. It yep. makes me make, make you relapse. And she convinces him to go get some Valerian tea and then they smoke heroin. But That's like, like the gist of this, right? But that was like kind of the plan, right? Because she's not just going to drink Valerian tea because she says you're going to put like 10 pouches in the water and then it makes it like Valium or something like that because it's from... So it's it's almost like she didn't want cough medicine because she knew it wasn't going to be as like 
strong. I mean, again, I'm just, I don't know about this, so I don't, maybe I, I'm reading it completely wrong, but I read it as, it's not like they're just going to drink tea, like, oh, my throat hurts, I'm coughing, I'm going to have, you know, a nice spot of tea with some honey, because she specifically says, like, you, you take, like, all of it, you throw all this tea in the water, and it makes it, like, I don't know, fuck your head up or something. It's like, like taking Valium. Yeah, but it's from the health food store, and nothing you buy there actually works, Jim, or does That's anything. Yeah. Um, so that was my read of it. She's trying to go the the healthy route, i.e. the placebo route, not go into these chemicals and things that will make you addicted again. So that's why it was a bit of a whiplash for me. But maybe I'm wrong, and it's actually way stronger this way, and that's why it makes perfect sense. Like, it does make perfect sense either way. It's just a bit... Like, it's an interesting choice to just skip over all the middle bits because yeah. this is the extreme one way, and obviously it flips to the extreme the other way when they're in the car the next scene we see. Yeah, because the next um, time we see them, they're freebasing. And, and, like, there's a comment later where they're like, hey, we're not using needles. Isn't it great how we can handle this? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but we have AJ uh, helping Tony with the Christmas tree. Carm uh, gets uh, the letter from the inspector. Her spec house is back. I think someone had mm -hmm. mentioned, I think it was on one of the Sopranos Facebook groups, where they're like, you know, drinking game for season six, drink anytime the spec house is said. <laughs> it's yeah. like this fucking spec house will not go away. I mean, because I guess it's been going since, well, okay, it was the end of last season because it was after the whole Adriana thing. But I think she was probably talking about it constantly. It is like the replacement. Carmela, uh, Carmela used to have men she would gaze at and, and long for. But now it's just constantly talking about this goddamn spec house. I'm so sick of hearing about it. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, so then we have... But she did, gets the permission now. So don't worry, Jim. It's not going away. <laughs> They're going to keep working on the spec house, I suppose, throughout the Sopranos <laughs> until the very end. And it's just going to end on the spec house and we cut to black from that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to see. Um, so then we have Phil uh, in his home. Again, this is what I meant for it's like, it doesn't look bad, but it's yeah. also like, looks a bit old, the house. They probably lived there forever. Um, it looks like Junior's house almost, which is yeah, yeah just exactly. like a, just you know, exactly. it's not a bad house, but it's not like the gaudy like Sopranos home. Um, someone leaves like a a brush or a broom or something. Is this a character we're supposed to know? Is I this... don't think so. I yeah, I guess it's just their like their own uh, one legged Russian maid. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, is this the one-legged Russian maid? Because yeah. she looks a little bit similar, and I'm face-blind, apparently. Uh, but I guess not. The point is, she's he's feeling a bit off, and he, the end scenes with him go, going to take a shit, and then they're in the hospital, so I guess the shit didn't go too well. Um, and yeah, he doesn't have any signs of a heart attack, so he's actually fine, and here's some antiacids. And then, yeah, then he wakes up in the middle of the night, like having a fucking... And now I wasn't sure if they were setting up where, you know, is this all in his head? But it's no, just the doctors missed it, which, you know, it's it's one of the scary, scariest things where you're kind of doing the right thing, where you're like, ah, I feel a little off. And you go to the doctor and you're like, ah, what do you mean? You're fine. Just take some, you know, take some antacids, take some uh, valerian tea. Don't even worry about it. And then you go home and die. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, yeah, well, in between those yeah, scenes, we yeah. have the freebasing bit uh, in the car, which is great, you know, I'm down this path again. Um, it is nice. Moving it's a nice, like, thing of, uh, like, visually showing their relationship change because 
uh, not to be blue, but you know, she goes to put his head in he, her head in his lap, and it's almost like as if she's gonna go down on him. But it's like no, it's just she's she's high as fuck, and then he's yeah. high, and they do mention later on like it's not like a sexual thing anymore. They're just you know drug drug friends. Yeah, and I didn't couldn't even tell if that was like we don't even do that. And I did, like I was like, is are they so high that they're like. We're not. We haven't done that today, or are they like we haven't done that for a, three weeks, or like what does this mean? But yeah. it doesn't really matter. Um, so the, new, the news of the heart attack arrives at the Bing, and Tony's like chuffed. He's <laughs> excited. He's uh, gets shots for everyone, and Paulie and Silvio are both kind of like, yeah, but you know the devil, you know, we wouldn't yeah. want this weirdo other guy who's like. Who wants to kill you to be the new boss in New York either? So, hmm. Yeah, because it, it it it's almost like Tony forgot. You know, it was it was for at one point it was great for Johnny to be the boss, and then Johnny was the boss and it sucked for a while because he hated Tony. And then things started getting good, and then it was like, oh shit, Phil's gonna be the boss. But then him and yeah. Phil were kind of friendly for a while. <laughs> Until they weren't. And so now it's fun, but Tony's forgetting that, like, no, each time this changes, it's worse. So, you know, maybe don't celebrate too soon. Yep. Um, and then we have a scene with Junior, which is kind of like, it fits into the flow of the episode in that it's Christmas and it's a finale and, like, the gang's all back together later and Junior's not there, obviously. Yeah. Um, which, again, it's only, it's, quote unquote only been like 10 episodes since he was kind of part of the family and he, everything was cool with that uh <laughs> until it wasn't um but yeah so it, it's kind of also uh i don't know do you feel like this scene makes sense in the episode or not i think it does and maybe but maybe it's because like the main takeaway i have from this is like oh man i miss junior so much yeah uh and it also is like it's kind of it's very sad because especially you know they're playing up that it's the holidays and Sopranos finales do typically end with all of the family somewhere, whether it be maybe not always all of the family, but it always ends with family uh, doing something. So just just a nice reminder that especially during these holiday times, Junior is alone. Like and, and never mind that he's sick and, and unwell. But he's completely yeah. alone, and he really lights up when Bobby comes. And uh, what he's like, kind of, what is he? He's like makes an announcement to the to the group. Does he talk about oh bakla? He's like baklava, like you know, it's salted cod, <laughs> whatever he says. And he's yeah, like, we you taught the world how to eat or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, and I almost at the beginning of the scene, I'm like, oh, you know, because it would almost feel like a Bobby thing to do for him to come see Junior on Christmas. Or around Christmas, even like in secret, but then you find out it's not even because of that. It's like Junior had sent him money or something, and you know he can't accept it. And he, you know, mentions he shouldn't even be there. Like if he saw there, like it would be a big deal. And it's like even yeah. worse for poor, poor Uncle June. Yeah, and it's he says he had someone drop it off, Beppe, uh, and I don't know who that is, but I, I was kind of interested because I'm like, who does? who does Junior have that actually visits him that could bring money out? I don't know, but he tried to send the money to Bobby anyway, and yeah, it's returned, like you said, so he foists it upon one of the caretakers, I guess. Yeah, one hand washes the other. Basically, he might as well yeah, put it to some good use. He'll get some sort of perks or something out of it. 
Yeah, does he is he aware of what he's doing there? Do you think or like? I he... I feel like he is because I think what they they we what we see is that sometimes I mean and especially if he's been here maybe they do have some sort of treatment going on maybe he does have some better medication or something where sometimes he has you know he's lucid a bit because even yeah. like the when they talk about the Tony shooting and and he's kind of aware of it but then like what he brings up JFK like. <laughs> Where he's like, yeah. maybe I didn't act alone. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh man, poor Junior. Yeah, that's all we see of him this episode. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so we have Tony hanging out with the fire department. Yeah, yucking it up. Wa- <laughs> what did you say? I just said yucking it up. But yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, yucking it up for sure. Like I'm just like, oh, as he's wont to do, he's a pillar of the community. I guess he's just hanging out with all sorts, of course, in his his neck of the woods. So he's just. We hear the tail end of some shit joke, and they oh, kind of walk like. I actually had a note. I had a note on that because that's the joke. I think we heard it in the previous episode, or it's the episode before that. It's he's he's telling the pig joke, uh, oh. where it's like you know the guy comes home with a duck on his shoulder, and he goes to his wife, uh, "That's the pig I've been fucking," and the wife goes, "That's a yeah. duck." <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, I forget the fucking. Why am I forgetting the the punchline now? I wasn't talking to you. Yeah, oh, that's what I was. Yeah, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> that's a great uh, uh, point. That that was the same joke because of course he's using that joke. Uh, that's great, actually. I just as you were. This is a, an aside, but as you were talking about it, I was like, "What was that joke?" And I googled the punchline, like. The husband said, "I wasn't talking to you," and I just found it mildly funny that all of the. Uh, results are like along the lines of emotional abandonment shut out by your spice as uh, your spouse issues I face or my husband has not spoken to me in four days and it's killing me anyway that's what's hilarious to me for the moment <laughs> um, Tony sees Christopher talk to Juliana in the car and he immediately knows what's up deep down uh, Christopher sees him see them and uh, knows what's up deep down but they do some acting back and forth where he says she's a friend of Kaisha's and that they asked what present to get or something. Yeah. Just lies. Just yeah. lies all around. I told her to get a Luther Vandross box set because that's what he's like. Yeah. What would you get a black girl for Christmas or her birthday? Whatever he says there. It's like, oh, yeah, you get her Luther Vandross. <laughs> Which I didn't know what that was, but I assumed it was racist <laughs> somehow <laughs> or at least like him making an assumption like you said yeah yeah then we have um uh yeah because cool, then it's just what um they have the the scene with them together oh yeah and they're talking about yeah isn't it great how we can use again and like keep each other together and we can just yeah. integrate it in our lives and it's like yeah no you can't <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's interesting as shit there's they have this mastery it's not easy and well, it, yeah. it comes down to basically like now the better play is to just tell Tony that they're having an affair because even though that was bad before, it's not as bad as him knowing that they're, they're both doing drugs or whatever. Uh, yep. So that kind of sets up where he then goes to meet Tony to tell him what's going on. And, you know, he says, oh, I just want everything to be above above board. And I guess what Tony kind of acts like it's like, cool basically like oh yeah you know uh i of course he didn't even want to have sex with her anyways you know not no big deal yeah and then he immediately goes crying to his therapist (laughs) ah just like livia stereotype just like livia would say 
Oh, you're going to go <laughs> cry about your mother to your therapist. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, about Christopher, it is like there's been so many relapses, quote unquote, that I'm like, I don't think he's been in like real recovery for ages. He's just not had drugs. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, there was a thing at the the fair or whatever with all the lights in the background. There was a thing in L.A. There's this. Uh, you know, drinking the wine with Tony and what that led to and everything. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, people don't change. Yeah. Like we've said it before. Yeah, this season especially. I mean, I guess every season. But, yeah, it really has had quite a few uh, backtracks on his road to recovery. Yeah. So Tony pitches this as like, this is my reward. This is what I get for being a good guy. And now uh, I didn't have the affair. And now my piece of shit nephew's (laughs) having this affair. And I got to talk to him and be reminded of him dicking down this woman I wanted to dick down. And it's all very frustrating for him. Uh, Even though Melfi chooses to see it uh, in a bit of uh, positive light there. You don't have to have sex with everyone, Tony. Yeah, that's okay. And then Tony, like, finally gets, like, a light bulb in his head where he's like, you know, I've been realizing these women, they're all sort of the same. Uh, But then he Which is what we said when when Juliana was introduced. We were like, oh, it's Gloria again. It's, like, the same character again. He cops onto that now. But he also then uses that as a dig at Melfi where he's like, you know, maybe that's why I keep coming around here. Because, you know, like, we've explored in the past his attraction to Melfi in the same way he's attracted to some of these other women. And then he has to show, cause like, you know, just to hang out with you because you know, therapy, nothing really changes. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I guess he's got, he's got a point there. He's, he's made small steps at least, but he's also, yeah. he's a big part of why nothing changes. So yeah. And he vocalizes what we've been saying all along. He actually says that, that nothing really changes uh, with the therapy part. And, uh, yeah, like you said, we've been saying, we cut over to this uh, scene of um, Christopher and Juliana doing drugs and watching Vertigo, uh, Hitchcock classic in the cinema, lots of overlays. You didn't really like this scene, I, I take it? Uh, it's not that I didn't really like it. It's it's fine. It is like a fun play around with the style, but uh, it just didn't feel like it fit uh, yeah. to me. Uh, I mean, going back to Sopranos, I mean, I guess it is kind of nice when people, when, well, when directors try to play around a little bit on the Sopranos, but it just didn't work for me as a whole. It's not bad or anything. Yeah. Um, so Tony gets, uh, he's in Satrielli's and gets notified that the Fed, what whatever his name is, is having Agent, a sandwich out front. Yeah, Agent Sorry, Harris. What? Agent Harris. Ah, yes. Yeah. Agent Harris is having a sandwich, and he kind of wants Tony to come out. And I, I like this scene because it's like he, he basically tells Tony that, you know, watch your back. Someone's, you know, not very happy with you, and they might come after someone you like, just so you know. And he doesn't have anything to gain from that, really. I feel like so it is actually seems like it's true that he said uh, what he said earlier that he's no I'm working other shit now you know just thought you should know like so you don't get killed because obviously they're I don't know I I, I just kind of like I you always love to see this camaraderie that yeah. occurs between uh, the good guys and the bad guys and who's the good guy and who's the bad guy it's pretty clear in this one to be honest <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah what did you think no I I agree with you I like that. Like Agent Harris, it's like he misses Tony in a way. And it's not yeah. so much that Agent Harris is a corrupt 
officer, like going back to that detective home alone guy from back in the day. Cause he's yeah. not, it's not like he's on the pay or he's like doing, it's just, he's been chasing Tony Soprano for so long and following him. And, but now he's on some other stuff that he like misses him and has like a weird fondness for him. And yeah. he, at the very least, like, you know, this world's going to keep going on this mafia, like organized crime thing. And if he at least can give him a tip and maybe help him out a little bit, you know, he'll go through it. He, like you said, he misses those sandwiches. Yeah. And like, it's Christmas or yeah. whatever. And I'm yeah. like, oh, that's nice. A nice moment. Yeah. Um, so the next scene we have Christopher and Juliana, we uh, in a diner and they're kind of talking about their relationship and them doing drugs and everything. And they seem to be at a teetering point of like either breaking up or going back to Narcotics Anonymous or, or something. Um, and the shot, the first shot is like from outside the window. And I think it, it feels intentional that they're like saying someone close to you might get hurt. Yeah. And then we see them from outside the window. It's kind of like looking in on them like they're in danger, but that doesn't really go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, yeah, because it does feel like they're hinting at Christopher the whole time, even the earlier scene, where it's like, fine, pick someone else. Uh, but yeah, we first have Chris, he's on the phone with his wife as he's, you know, hanging out in the diner with his mistress slash drug friend. Um, and yeah, Chris starts getting into his oath oath that he made to when he became a made man. Uh, stuff that, yeah, he's not supposed to be talking about, which he does bring up. But for whatever reason, they have this bond here. And I like how it gets to this place of like, I can't really tell who is the one pushing it to be like, we need, we need to stop using. Cause sometimes it feels like she's the one. And then sometimes it feels like Chris is the one, but then it feels like it's, either of them could kind of crumble at, at any moment and like not do it, not go, uh, go through with it. Oh, my fault. Oh, uh, y- yes. Because when they're sort of standing up there, it's, it's really well acted and, and directed and cut of them like saying like I don't know what do you want to do what do you want to do like there's a meeting and then like standing up one at a time and I'm still not convinced they're not just going to go and do more drugs yeah. like <laughs> and honestly I don't know uh because like I I guess the only cuz we don't see any more of them for the episode I think yeah. and the only indication that their relationships changed maybe is when they come out and she asks if they're taking one car and, and he says, I'll follow you. And that's kind of a separation. Like they had sex in the car, they did drugs in the car. And now they're like, no, we're going to go and do a thing. Yeah. And it's not about that. So, so maybe that's an indication that there is some change, but then most of that is reverted anyway. Uh, <laughs> so I don't really trust it. Uh, but I guess that's the point we leave them at. What do you think happened? Did they go to the meeting? They Did they do more drugs? Yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean, I, I would have to imagine, I feel like, I think you're right, there's completely separation there, and Chris is giving himself an out in a weird way, because it's like, yeah, they both ride in the same car, they're both a, a, a solid union here going to get better, but then she could just head to the meeting and he can be like, oh, fuck this, and just turn off road somewhere, so... Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like at least one of them did, and I'd have to imagine maybe Juliana did, and then <laughs> Christopher didn't. Hmm. Okay. Uh, wait, she, she went to the meeting or she did the drugs? I uh, went to the meeting. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, could be. Um, so, um, Tony, 
who originally was all happy about this uh, this heart attack. He's gotten the news that he might be in danger. He uh, heads to the hospital, and he he brings he, he cracks out some of that soprano honesty. It's a rare thing, but it comes out from time to time, and it's quite impactful. He talks about how when he was in a coma, he went someplace but he never wants to go back. And, you know, there's enough for all of us. We don't have to be killing each other over nonsense. Like my captain being a gay guy and you mm. sodomizing him to death. It's all sort of between the lines. Yes, yeah. But um, it's a very emotional state um, that fills in. Like my estimation of him, I have to say, has uh, fallen significantly seeing him weep here <laughs> like a like a woman. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, he, he, Tony does a good speech about how let's chill out. And then it's kind of when he's leaving, we get to see this character again, like, Hey, Oh, like getting in his face, which yeah. I get the vibes you were talking about. Like, Hey, I'm the new guy now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like in his way. And yeah, I mean, it, it is like we're full circle now that Phil's getting teary eyed here. Um, cause he might be on his deathbed. Uh, but it's a nice moment, but then, yeah, it's the nice reminder because he just, just, he is literally standing in Tony's way at first. It's a nice reminder of like, you know, like the fight ain't over Tony. Like it is, and, and it is better for you that Phil survives and maybe doesn't have his, uh, status plummet in, in people's eyes because it's better for you in the long run. That I guess is the emotional climax of the season of him coming to this realization and sharing it with Phil. I, I guess that's all that this is built up to, uh, his recovery um, and everything, um, because the rest of it is kind of the montage that is mandatory at the end of each Sopranos uh, season. Mm -hmm. um, although we do have a short scene with Carmela. Like, this scene is basically just there to emphasize <clears throat> Tony was right. Tony did the right thing yeah. for himself personally because she has these business cards and throws the one away for the private <laughs> investigator and calls to work on her house instead. Yeah, yeah. She's got that spec house, of course. And what's great, then we have, uh, like, b before the montage, like, so, yeah, it's Christmas. You know, we got, what, like, Bobby Jr.'s there. Uh, you know, the family's there. Tony's wearing a beret, which is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Because uh, I like how it's like, it's this there for a little bit before he later on says, you know, I'm wearing your present from, from Paris or whatever. But yeah. he's he's also still pissed off at Christopher because what does he yell? Like, what, are you going to hog all the ice? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, you hog that pussy? That's <laughs> basically what he's saying. Yeah. And they kind of exchange a look. And this is supposed to be like, oh, tensions are rising. But, like, he's had him on the road with a gun to his head saying, if you do any more smack or any bullshit, I'm going to kill you. And he's turned up there, like... <laughs> Christopher turned up and it was going to kill him. And like, there's, they, they got a lot of history. I feel like in the long scheme of things, their family connection is stronger than this bullshit. Um, but then like, it's also like we're heading into the last season. If this was, if this was any other show, I'd probably go like, all right, so now we're setting it up so that it's going to be Christopher versus Tony for the big finale. Yeah. And that is so 100% not what I expect from this. So I kind of go like, yeah, you know, whatever there. There's some tension there, but that's family. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, Meadow calls and, you know, she's, she's still she's in California. So she's not there with the family. Uh, yeah. And yeah, we just have the montage. Like I mentioned before, we see AJ kind of with Blanca and her kid. 
and she gets to see this big gaudy home that they live in. Uh, Carmela has some reservations on, I guess she's 10 years older than, is that what they say? She's 10 year or nine or 10 years older than AJ. It doesn't like um, really they, look that way, but I guess they're kind of trying to stress that she's older. Well, like he's in his early twenties, I would assume, or like 20 yeah, and I guess he's 30. Yeah. I guess he's only supposed to be like 19 basically. Right. Cause is this the season that started or is it last season that started with him in college? Yeah. I'm not, I couldn't tell you Jim with a gun to my head. Um, so yeah, she, she's 10 years older than him. I feel like that could be an assumption or an overstatement too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, I'm kind of like, like on your, your side, like you mentioned earlier, it's kind of like, he's a changed man. AJ's doing great. Even if Carmela's totally right in that AJ was literally like two episodes ago, the biggest fuck up <laughs> ever. Maybe don't have him hang out with this child and become a weird semi-father figure yeah. to then fuck all that up like obviously though from carmilla's perspective it's like oh she's like not right for my perfect boy or whatever but obviously well <laughs> subconsciously she must know that uh he's the problem and her. what does he get he gets to throw something in tony's face here too because tony makes a comment about something and he's like yeah i got a job or something like that uh, oh about like oh he got her some nice jewelry too yes oh um, yeah i know a guy and, or something yeah which i I like that, right? I mean, yeah. that's a positive for AJ because it's all never been that, yeah. especially with him like getting all these uh, treats and and toys and cars and bikes. Uh, it's never been like, oh no, this is mine. I worked for this. Like, <laughs> I feel like in the past he definitely would have taken that, but now, no, this is my thing, Tony. This is not your thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do. I think that's that's kind of the exclamation point on him being like, at least for now. A new person. Maybe change is real. Maybe change can happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, it doesn't, though, uh, <laughs> fortunately, because people don't change. So he's going he's gonna to go right back to his old ways, I think. But uh, for now, anyway, we get an awkward, nice Christmas moment in front of the fire. Um, so this was, <laughs> this was also not something I noticed. It was uh, pointed out to me. But uh, uh, Kaisha is the name of the fake black guma and blanca is her name and they're watching casablanca uh, blanca, casablanca yes just a fun little pun there kind of i think it's intentional but that's just that's just me her name is blanca and they're watching casablanca there is something there and oh, she comments sure. on the house the casa yeah you have a beautiful casa oh so many layers no. i don't think it means anything but there you go <laughs> uh, but it's just fun I, I, maybe they're just like hey this would be fun <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of, I have to mention this. I loved it when I found out that Tara's Winter, um, oh, she yeah. wrote uh, the 50 Cent film. Uh, oh, sorry, he. Yeah. I, bit of a girly name, but there you go. <laughs> Terrence Winter wrote the 50 Cent movie, Get Rich or Die Trying. Uh, and they just throw it in as a joke that, like, I have the DVD in my car. They were giving it away at the car wash or <laughs> <Yeah>. whatever. <laughs> yeah. Because he wrote it. And, <laughs> that is a and uh, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't a, a huge success, uh, as I gather from the box office or the reviews. Yeah, I never even saw that one. But, yeah, I remember. I remember them releasing it. And I think they did were, like, you know, from the writer of The Sopranos. They wouldn't say, like, which. I'm not that Terrence Winter's, like, on the lower totem of the, he's he's definitely one of the elite Sopranos writers, but yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's a great little uh, joke to throw in there. Be like, ah, remember your movie? <laughs> Let's make fun of it. Shitty movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So um, yes, 
So uh, having discussed the episode, do you feel any more positive or more negative on it? I actually do feel more positive on it. I think any of the episodes when I'm, when I'm feeling a little down on, when we talk it through, I definitely feel better on it. I'm still yeah. like the big stickling point is the, the finale thing. And again, that's probably nitpicking. And it is technically 6A, 6B. So it's like we're still going along with it. Uh, so, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm more positive on it. Now, what are your thoughts? feelings here going into the final nine episodes here the home stretch yeah just the fact that there are nine makes it feel like i'm already in the final season even if i'm not uh because if there were another 13 episodes i would go david chase's route and just go no nah, we're gonna start season seven and in a way i'm sure it will feel like that but because it's not a quote-unquote f- uh, full season i'm kind of like all right everything we've been building to uh i'm gonna take what we got from this season and uh hopefully we build on that and don't just start going on about like let's learn about carlo's fish shop or whatever <laughs> like i yeah. i feel yeah. like stuff like that would happen that yeah. you know we're just gonna go in totally new directions because and we're gonna introduce this like maybe this new guy in brooklyn or whatever he's gonna be a big deal or maybe introduce a bunch of mobsters to get released <laughs> from prison or whatever like I feel like those things could happen, but with the amount of time that's left, I'm like, I don't know, just, um, just, uh, I know you love an anticlimax, The Sopranos, and I'm sure it will be, uh, you know, uh, but let's get some climactic stuff in there at least, uh, I guess is what I'm hoping for. Even, I'm not saying I need more explosions, but just dramatically speaking, psychologically speaking, like the, the whole therapy sequence, like, like Tony says, it feels like it hasn't been super impactful most of the time lately. Maybe have some revelations there. Maybe have him, you know, because we had a lot of, I know I'm ranting now, but like early on in The Sopranos, there was a lot of drama like between him and Melfi and like he's going to stop therapy and she's going to bring him back and all this stuff. And since then, it's just been like, here's another therapy scene and here's another therapy scene. Like either blow that up or do more with it. Just not that I'm saying that they're not doing more with it, but just for the, like for wrapping it all up, you got to do something with that. And like something with the scale of what's going on. I, I don't know if it all just kind of continues to be a low key family drama and, uh, some people get stabbed occasionally. I'd be fine with that too. Um, I just, it, it sets weird expectations of this show because I certainly am not going like, holy shit, what's going to happen? Which has happened with other shows I really like. When you're going into the final season, you're like, holy shit, I can't wait to find out what happened. I don't really have that feeling with The Sopranos, which, it, but I still like it, obviously, a lot. So uh, it's an interesting balance to strike. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Because I do, I like that... Um... I mean, especially with the recent release of uh, El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. Yeah. it's It reminded me of like the stark contrast between something like The Sopranos and something like Breaking Bad. Uh, both great shows and like easy shows to compare because the antiheroes and kind of subject matter they deal with. But obviously Breaking, ba- Breaking Bad is a very plot-driven show uh and like obviously it still has a lot of great character stuff but sopranos is clearly not interested in that it's not interested in like the xyz almost like video game type you know we got to get this thing and then get that gets this thing and that, that yeah. but that but that lends to more excitement and tension yeah. and then sopranos does that in like a different way because it's like 
yeah, it's 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 obviously more character driven because not not so much because like they focus on it. It's because they're like not interested in <laughs> in like having regular setup and payoff type stuff. Like sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. They're more interested in like fucking with your head on what you think is going to happen and then playing around with it. But like giving you something that you really want still, I don't know. It's, it's a weird back and forth. And I, I'm definitely not to get into this argument, which shows better type deal, but like going through, going through this show again, it kind of does solidify more in my head as like, like the best show ever made <laughs> in yeah. a weird way. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I think uh, shows that go this route are more, they, they lend themselves better to a rewatch as well. Yeah. Um, because in Breaking Bad, once you know what happens, it's not as bad as Game of Thrones, where once you know what uh, happens, yes. it's like, oh, okay, I have to sit through all of this. In Breaking Bad, they still make it exciting even on a rewatch. Yes. But in The Sopranos, uh, it, they're more interested in exploring the emotional depths and depths and connections of the characters. And that's something you're going to be able to see different things from at different parts in your life. You're going to identify with different characters and journeys. And you got some mob stuff thrown in there for good measure too. So it's really a, a great cocktail blend. That's like, I think that's why there's loads of podcasts on it. Uh, I don't think you and me would do a bad uh breaking bad podcast but we would like we'd be discussing like can you believe how well they put this together to make this effect happen in your brain yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. can you believe the the camera work it's fantastic and these stylistic choices and here it's kind of like what did you feel about the <laughs> yeah. this part of this uh, like it's not super clear in what it wants you to feel all the time. And David Chase is famously like, fuck you. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not like, I'm not telling you what to feel or think uh, about it. Or maybe sometimes I am. And like, yeah. just keeping it, keeping that ambiguity going. Um, so yeah, very different shows. I was thinking of Breaking Bad as well, when I was ranting about like waiting for the last season of Breaking Bad, you're like, holy shit. Can't yes. believe what's like, I'm finally going to find out. And now I'm kind of like, I'm not like that. I, but I also don't want it to end. So yeah. there, I think there you go. Game of Thrones is, even though it's obviously a different type of show, but that's a great comparison of like, just, you know, because Breaking Bad, obviously one of the greatest shows ever made as well, uh, but it's because they delivered also. Like, they set things up a certain way, but they were always able to, to deliver. I mean, obviously people have their own complaints, nitpicks here and there, but... Game of Thrones, yes, which is a show I did do a rewatch for leading up to the last season. And not to be that person because everyone shits on Game of Thrones now. But there's still obviously great stuff in there. A lot of It's still worth a, a rewatch and whatnot. But there's a lot of it that does feel like, okay, yeah, we got to get through this. Okay, yeah, we got to get through this. And then hopefully there's this. And then it gets to the end. You're like, all right, we're all done. <laughs> we don't need this anymore. <laughs> Yeah. See you later. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm, so. I'm so not tempted to rewatch it, which is sad because I still have like 
I, I, damn it, I should have made more videos about Game of Thrones. It's the most popular thing. I, I know we've probably talked about it here, but it's the most popular thing I've ever put online, <laughs> that video about Game of Thrones, what yeah. I made. And you can find it on my... Well, yeah, it's a great transition, Jacob. Yes. Uh, you can find it on my YouTube channel, Awesomepedia. You can also find more from me at awesomepedia.org. But yeah, I should have made way more videos about that when people actually cared. But then I already didn't really care, and I felt like I'd said what I needed to, and I, I was wanted to be more of a... David Chase, ambiguous guy who just kind of is like, fuck you. Uh, and I never made any videos on it, but I should have. Um, but now it's too late. Nobody cares. But I think a Sopranos video I would love to make now or in the future or in the past. Like, there's always more to uh, get out of the show. Yeah, completely. I agree. So, yeah, we're gearing up to get into the the final nine. Um we there are a few things throughout this discussion. I mean, it was a long one. It was uh, longer than the episode, but uh, like we called out before, if you have your thoughts or uh, feelings on some of the stuff we talked about, you can email us at showswhatyouknowshow at gmail dot com. Um, I did get, or was that a tweet? Because I I think there was something recently we got on the Sopranos. I think it was kind oh. of some weird nitpick we had had or something we had read in a different. Oh, it was Vito. Uh, actually, yeah, uh, shit, we should have got this at the beginning, but, um, I've always thought that Vito killed the guy after the accident because he was driving drunk would have a problem when the cops eventually showed up to the scene of the accident, enjoying the podcast as usual. That's Dan from Vermont. Uh, I guess that, that does make sense, but it's still yeah. like killing him or just like, I don't know. He could have like smashed him in the back of the head or something. He could have done something else. If it was more worrying about the DUI that he was going to get, he could have just knocked him out and then drove away the same way. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get that. Though I guess, yeah, my issues with it were always more about like the choice of having that scene in there rather yes. than the choice that he made. If that makes sense. Yeah. But I see that that does make more sense than we were we were going into we were nitpicking that scene at the time. Yeah. So that's uh, valid feedback. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll be back very soon with uh, the rest of the Sopranos. Until then, as I, I've already plugged my shit, but you can also go to jimandthem.com more from jim and at showswhatyouknow.com of course you can find all of our other shows we're launching new ones every other day these days uh keep an eye out for one called real history nice. where we talk about historical film and television um that one's coming soon more on that uh, at showswhatyouknow.com uh i think there's just one more thing jim oh hey, what's that oh it's cut to black <laughs>